Well, good morning, church. Good to be with you this morning. Looking forward to uh, spending this time together with you. I'd encourage you, if you don't have your Bible right there with you, maybe this would be a great time to go uh, go and, and grab it. And that way you'll have it. I'm going to read two passages of Scripture. We're going to go to 1 Kings, and we're also uh, going to go to uh, Philippians with the Apostle Paul. So if you have your Bible with you, it'd be great when we hit those verses. You'll be able to flip right through them. Um, Philippians is going to be chapter 4. 1 Kings will be um, 19, chapter 19. And I'm, uh, we're picking up our time together here This is the Sunday right after Easter. We are still in the middle of our society being uprooted and changed and all of us put into perhaps uh, discomfort at least in some ways and in other ways it can be relaxing and we're all in different parts of that. I want to talk this morning about... um, about anxiety. We're, this, these next four weeks, we're going to talk about anxiety. And I want to work from a passage of Scripture that for me personally, God began a work in my life at a difficult point in my life, and he laid a foundation from that time forward he has in different ways been building on. And uh, maybe for you, like many in our culture, you're, you're at a place of anxiety, maybe even at the point, I want to talk about this a little bit this morning, at the point of where you, it's, it's for you the last straw. Um, may, maybe for you, it's the point that you're at the end of your rope. Uh, in, in other words, it, I'm, I'm done. I am finished. I have had enough. And the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings gets to that place. That's one of the things I want to talk about this morning with you guys. Or maybe this, everything in this, in this coronavirus that we're facing has taken you to a place where you're just worried about it. Where, or maybe there's something else going on in your life that you're worried about. We hit this place of anxiety where it can be financial pressure. We're just at the end of of our limits. Or maybe we're thinking about our health or the health of someone you love. Or maybe you're at home with the kids and that is pushing you to the limits. Or or you could just be battling fear and anxiety. I, I want us to look at that this morning. There are points in all of our lives that we reach that kind of place. And all of us are different and respond differently to that, but, but we can all find ourselves in that place. And the Apostle Paul um, writes Philippians, and Paul wanted desperately to go to Rome. Paul wanted to go to Rome to preach the gospel. The gospel was his whole life at this point. It was everything he was about. He was pouring his life into preaching this truth about who Jesus was, that he rose from the dead, and he was sent from God to be our Savior. And Paul was desiring desperately to go to the biggest cities to have the most impact for Christ. And God had another plan for Paul. He ends up in Rome, but he ends up in Rome being transported there as a prisoner. And he's chained 24 hours a day to a Roman guard. Each shift comes in and they take the chains off one and they they connect him to another Roman guard. And he's in jail. He's in jail waiting for trial. And he's waiting for trial, not even knowing 
what his destiny will be, and it doesn't look good. And he's watched so many of, of the fathers of our faith before him have their lives taken and be put to execution. That's where Paul is sitting. And uh, be, because God has Paul sitting there in jail, Paul would have gone to Rome and preached. And we might have heard just a little bit of what Paul preached about because Luke would have probably written about it in Acts. But because he's in a Roman jail, God actually has him write a letter to the church in Philippi. And that's the letter that we have the entire message that Paul wants to share with them. And we live in the benefit of having that because he was willing to be in jail. Look what he says. This is a passage of scripture that is so familiar to me and it'll be familiar to many of you. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. In other words, let everybody see the work that God has done in your life. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, bring it to God in prayer. With thanksgiving, no matter what the situation, he says, with thanksgiving, because the situation could always be worse. Present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I, I, I just love that passage. And as we begin this morning, let's, let's, just, let's just pray. Father, Lord, I pray that your words will anchor themselves in our hearts. And I pray that Paul's writing here will not just be real to us as we hear it, but it'll find a lodging place in our heart and, and then be taken to the place where we actually apply it. And as we apply it, the work that you do in us will be evident to all. Do that in all of our lives, I pray today. In your name we pray. Thank you, Father. For me, this passage of Scripture has real roots. And I've shared this several times with, with our church family before in different messages. But there was a point in my life when our twin daughters were born and uh, Trisha was doing well. Tiffany was struggling in a lot of ways. They were very premature, just above and below three pounds, or three pounds, uh, just above and below four pounds, I believe. Yeah, 313 Tiffany was. And I remember the doctor coming and saying that Tiffany was in such a difficult spot. We did not know if she was going to make it. Uh, or if she wasn't going to make it. And he specifically talked about the level of oxygen she was uh, receiving just to keep her alive and what that meant and the repercussions from that and, and, and the fact that she was probably going to be blind or mentally challenged and very possibly both. And I remember at that point in time recognizing the seriousness of the situation, and, and I did not know what to do. It, it, it was being, I was, I was receiving all this information and, 
everything going on was critical and it was that obvious to me and not knowing what to do, I can clearly remember the words that never came out of my mouth but came through my very thought process from me to God and it was as simple as God, I need you now, right now, more than I ever have before in my life. And it was right after that, that this passage of scripture that Paul gives us, where he says, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, became a reality in my life. Because he sent that peace to me deep down inside of who I am and through that entire process, I had that peace with me. So I read this passage of scripture and it is nothing but real to me. I can point to, to the cornerstone in my life, to the landmark where God actually did that for me. And for me, it's a big deal. And he laid a foundation in my life that from that point forward, he is always built on. And we almost hear that, but peace that transcends all understanding. Is that even possible in our world today with everything that's going on? I have to say, yes, it is possible. Maybe you're dealing with this coronavirus and, and you're worried about the future. And you're doing that and also having your crazy teenagers in your house or, or whatever your situation, maybe you're dealing with your parents and, and, and they're aging and that's a part of this scenario. It's interesting, I've been doing reading and I, I, uh, on, on Gen Z, I've been reading more and more lately and it, it seems that Gen Z by many, uh, by many um, polls out there are the most stressed generation in history, some people are saying. They're worried about their choices. Uh, am I going to get a job? Which job should I take? Uh, am I going to go to school? Should I not go to school? Should I get a student loan? There, there are so many decisions, and, and, and now I've already got a credit card, and now I'm carrying credit card debt, and, and then who should I marry? Or, or some of them are married, and they're thinking, did I marry the right person? Or how am I going to stay healthy? And, and all of these thoughts, if, if, if we don't have our life anchored in something, can take us to stress. Paul says, don't be anxious. I want to look at the prophet Elijah. The prophet Elijah actually loved God with all of his heart, his he, he had a relationship with God and a passion for God, loved God with all of his heart. And when we think of prophets, there's like Moses and Elijah, and, and these are the biggies, and then Elisha comes after Elijah. But, but the, the two big ones we think about are Moses and Elijah. Elijah performed so many miracles. He actually raised a child from the dead and gave the child back to its mother. He stared down the prophets of Baal, over 850 prophets. He took them on head on, and he won the battle. Matter of fact, he prophesied in a kingdom that a, that a, that a huge drought was coming. And he, he said when it was going to start and when it was going to end. And he told the king, King Ahab, he, he pointed out sin in King Ahab's life, and he challenged him on it. And Ahab came out of that 
with, with a statement and he raised his armies up and he pursued Elijah and Elijah actually goes into three years of hiding. And then what's fascinating to me is Elijah puts up with all of this, deals with all of this, but when, when King Ahab doesn't really get the job done, Ahab was almost a choir boy when you compare him to his wife Jezebel. And when Jezebel says, listen, enough with you, Ahab, let's let a woman get the job done. And, and then Jezebel says, I am going to kill Elijah. And then she goes after Elijah. And you know what he does? After God has done all these things in his life, after he, he has been a prophet of God, performed miracles, stared down Baals, he stared down all of the false prophets, all of them, took them all on. Miracle, a powerful miracles in his life. When this woman Jezebel says, I'm gonna kill him, he actually dives into a deep depression and his life is full of anxiety. Let's pick his story up in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse three, right where I left it off. It says, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. Now he's all by himself. He came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. This is incredible. Here he is running from Jezebel because he's afraid she's going to kill him. Now he sits under a bush and he prays that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. As I read that passage of scripture, that's where some of us may be today. You're struggling financially. You feel like you can't get it all done. And on top of that, the car's in the shop. Or maybe you're in a relationship and you've tried and tried and tried and tried. And once again, you find out that that person has let you down or failed you or maybe you're just dealing with all the kids and and it's almost as is you're thinking if just one more thing goes wrong if just one more thing in our house breaks or even with this virus things are so so different I I, I just don't know if I can handle it anymore or maybe you've made a hundred peanut butter jelly sandwiches and you're at the place where if I have to make just one more peanut butter jelly sandwich, that's about where Elijah was. He was at the end. He couldn't take it anymore and he'd had enough. But as I read this passage of scripture, you know what I notice? Elijah actually makes four big mistakes. I want to look at that passage of scripture. Let's look at those mistakes together because here's the reality. If, if you and I make these same mistakes, we will end up right there where he does. The first one, the first big mistake he makes is we, we, we do it. We wear ourselves out. We let ourselves get run down. 
the first command that God ever gave us to do in the Ten Commandments was remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Remember to take a day to set it aside so that you can rest and relax and replenish and recognize who God is and allow him Allow him to recreate in you. Allow recreation to be a part of your life, he says. But we do the same thing Elijah did. We wear ourselves out. When situations overwhelm us, we just, we, we just keep on going. It's, it says here in this passage of scripture, he ran for his life. And what did he do? He goes to Beersheba. Beersheba is about 100 miles from where he is. So Elijah actually goes on this trip in a hurry for about 100 miles. It's probably about as far as humanly possible in a trip like that. He wore himself out. He was exhausted. And we see that happening in our lives. We're, we're focusing on this virus and, and we're doing everything we can to do things right and keep things right. And, and if that becomes our focus, we could end up going through a season of exhaustion and end up exactly where he ends up. Working too hard, too long. The second big mistake that Elijah makes is he shut people out. We do that. We shut people out. He was traveling with his trusted servant and he left his trusted servant. He said, I don't, I don't need you anymore. And he went off on his own. In, in our church, one of, the, one of the most important things in our lives is our life group and the group of people that we connect with and, and the group of people that we meet on Sundays or, or other weeks and we serve with. Those relationships are so vital. Life groups are, are the heartbeat of our church. Uh, and we're, we're meeting now online. We're, we're doing it virtually. Virtually. It's, 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 it's not quite as good, but, but, but you know what? It really is pretty good. I've, I've enjoyed our life group on Zoom, and it's so nice to just look at that screen and see everybody, and, and we're, all, we're all involved, and we're talking, and we're going through our study together, and, and we're praying and sharing things that are going on in our lives together. It is such a healthy time, and he doesn't go that way. He says, I'm going off on my own, and God never designed us to do that. God designed us to be a part of a body. God is building a family. He wants us to be together. He's, he's building a family. He's not building a string of loners. That's, that's, that just doesn't even, it doesn't work. That's not what he's going for. From the beginning of time, he set out to build a family and he is doing that with you and with me and those that are in our lives. Elijah makes that second big mistake. He, he, he lets even go of his servant. He says, you stay here. I'm going on alone. The third big mistake we so often make. He begins to focus on the negative. Look what he says. He says, I've had enough. I'm no better than my father's. I, I'm, I'm, I'm no better than the people that I looked at and said, ha, oh, jeez, you gotta be kidding me. 
Now I'm, I'm, I'm no better than them. And we do that in our own lives. We, we get to the place where we focus on the negative. My life is so hard. This is just too much. Or I don't like my job. I wish I had a better job. Even a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Jesus and the disciples crossing the Sea of Galilee and they were in the boat. And, and what did they focus on? They focused on the storm. And focusing on the storm left them in a place of despair instead of focusing on Jesus. And Karen even brought the point out, Peter, when, when Pete, the time with the disciples were in the boat and Jesus was out on the water, Peter, Peter steps out of the boat and starts walking and gets to Jesus. And when his focus was on Jesus, he was doing great. Matter of fact, he was doing things far beyond we could ever expect or dream to do. But then when he began to Think negative because he was looking at the sea, the water. He, he began to sink. We sometimes think I'm always going to suffer. Because we're in a time, a difficult time, it's always going to be like this. I'm always going to be broke. I'm always going to struggle. I'm always going to be hurting. I'm always going to make wrong decisions in my relationships. I'm never going to be happy. And we... Focus on the negative. Elijah does it right here. He focuses on the negative. I've had enough. I'm just no, woe is me. I'm no better than my ancestors, those who came before me. The fourth big mistake he makes is, and we do this. When we come to a difficult situation, we do what he did. We forget about God. When the storm comes, we like the disciples. We focus on the storm. In the middle of this coronavirus, we, we turn the news on and we're constantly bombarded. We just, we need to watch the news to see what's going on, but then we need to turn it off because it takes our focus off of God and off of what he's doing. In Elijah's life, God was powerful God was present, he was faithful, he was visible. He wasn't even just visible, he was unbelievably obvious in the things that he did through Elijah. And like Elijah, when, when we're facing difficult times and problems, we tend to forget about God, who the reality is he's our creator, he is our sustainer, he's our source of strength, He's the very breath that keeps us alive and keeps us moving. Knowing that God is right there with him, Elijah falls apart. So what does God do? You know what God does? He, he does the same thing he does for you and for me. He meets our needs. God comes to Elijah it comes to Elijah in a huge way. And if you've got your Bible there, open up again to, to, to 1 Kings chapter 19 and jump down with me to verse 11 and 12. Because God gets his attention right where he is. And look, look what God says. He says, go and stand 
on the mountain. Get up from where you are, from under that bush and, and, and whining and crying and, and go, to a, go to a place God tells him that, that I'm telling you about. And wherever that place is, God describes it and Elijah knows exactly where it is. Go stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. God is saying, listen, I'm, I'm gonna take care of this. I want you to meet me. And he tells him where, and Elijah, Elijah knows where it is, and Elijah goes there. And then looks, look what happens. And this is, this is a famous passage of scripture. You're gonna recognize this. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And the Lord was in the whisper. When we're anxious, when we're hurting, when we're overwhelmed, and we see that, I see that with, with this virus, with, with, our, with our culture, and, and, and it has been for so long now, for weeks and weeks, it has been do the things so that you don't catch it. Stay six feet from one another and, and stay in your home and, and, and put on a mask if you're going to be out and about. And, 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 and the, the regulations have gotten a little bit stricter and stricter. And, and then we've reached the point this past week where we're recognizing and they're beginning to talk about a light at the end of the tunnel because now we've suppressed this thing down to, to where we know we're on the downside. We think we're going to be coming out of it even though parts of our, of our country are struggling. New York is still very, very hit hard and Louisiana is hit hard. Florida is struggling. But, but many areas that we're talking about, things are now getting better but already the talk and the worry and the fear is later on this year it may come back again and it's easy for us to focus on the problem and not focus on God and who he is why doesn't God speak loud in a time like this why doesn't God step? It's kind of what we want him to do. And Elijah wanted that. And God came and showed this display of all this. But those were not the places that he was speaking. Elijah, God says, the Lord is in the whisper. When we're anxious, when we're afraid, why doesn't God speak in a loud way. He whispers because he is so close. God is right there with us. He doesn't need to shout. He, he just needs to whisper. Paul says, the Lord is near in Philippians. God to Elijah makes it so clear the way... The way I'm going to reassure you is I'm going to whisper because when I whisper, you will recognize that I am so close, that I am right there with you. Paul says the Lord is near. 
And, and what Paul is making clear to us, he's saying God is drawing. He wants a closer relationship. He wants to know us better as we know him. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. When I speak, they know who I am. For me, I look back at my experience and my experience in my relationship with him and his presence helped me to know that the Lord is near. You know, one of the things that I find fascinating about this story of Elijah, the truth of the matter is that the things that we fear, the things that we worry about the most, 95% of them never even happen. When we're anxious and fearful about something, 95% of the things that we're anxious about don't happen. See, if, if you and I will recognize that we hear his voice, recognize that the Lord is near, if we'll listen to Paul in Philippians, we will never go through and make the four mistakes that Elijah made. Elijah's story is kind of funny if you know the end of the story because the greatest fear that Elijah had was that he was going to die, that Jezebel was going to kill him. And at, at the end of the story, what you and I know is that Elijah is with Elijah. The, Elijah is, is the one that, that he trains to come after him, to take his place. And, and he, he's at the end of his life. He, he, this thing about dying is an issue with him. And God if, if, you know, if you know the story, and you need to read all the way through it, God actually sends a chariot that comes down and sweeps Elijah up and takes him to heaven. Elijah goes to heaven in this whirlwind with a chariot. He never actually physically dies. The thing that he worried about the most never even happened. And for us, most of our fears, the reality is they never really materialize but some of them do, a few of them do. And when they do, God in his grace and in his mercy goes through that process with us and he carries us through them. The Bible says he will never leave us. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You will never be without me. Sometimes our fears become a reality. Sometimes they're even worse than we ever dreamed. But in that process, he never leaves us. He is so faithful. And that is why Paul, from a Roman jail, can write this letter to the church in Corinth, and to the church in Philippi, and say to them, listen, and because he wrote this in a letter, we share in that letter. And that letter has unbelievable power in our lives because God's word is written by writers that he has inspired. It's the, the writers through their inspiration of the Holy Spirit give us exactly what God wanted us to have. And Paul gives us more than half of the New Testament. And Paul writes in Philippians 4, chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always from a jail chained to a Roman guard waiting for his trial knowing he is probably going to be executed. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice, he says. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Let the work that God does in you, let him do it. 
because it'll be obvious to everyone. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Church, as we, as we hear Paul's words, and we know this passage, Philippians 4, I would say memorize 4 all the way to 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. If, if you and I will hear these words and apply them in our lives, he will give us the peace that passes all understandings. Because I am here to tell you, we are in the middle of this crisis. But if we have the peace of God, we won't, we won't make any of the four mistakes that Elijah made. What we will do is we will live our lives knowing that he's right there with us. Whatever we're going through, he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. And we'll come out the other side of this with him and he will have used it in our lives to transform you. He will, he will build on the foundation that he has placed in us and he will do it. And I gotta tell you, as we continue to walk through life, this will not be the last storm we go through. Some of you will remember this, the next storm that comes into your life or the next surprise that as a culture we face. But each time we go through them, we just need to listen to Paul's words. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be, be obvious to everyone. Let God do his work. Let's just not hear this passage from Paul. Let's embed it in our thought process. Let's embed it in our minds. The peace of God that transcends all understanding, he said, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In other words, he will change the way you think, which will change the way you feel, and that will change the way you act. And we will live in the benefit of this. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that, that this very thing you would do in our lives. God, I pray that we would rejoice in you. We would rejoice in you so much that we allow you to change the way we think. And, and people will recognize the work that you've done in our lives. And, and that will just bring the focus back to you and we will be giving you all the glory. And Father, I just pray that we would not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, we would bring it to you, bring our requests to you in prayer, knowing that you answer our prayers. And I pray, God, that our heart would be filled with gratefulness. And Lord Jesus, that we would, because of that, have your peace in our lives. Do it, we ask. Oh, God, I look forward for you doing that in the heart and life of all of those who are listening this morning. 
God, help us to not just hear this word, but to apply it in our lives. Do it in your name we pray. Amen. Let me just stop here for a moment because maybe Jesus is not your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. We just came through Easter last Sunday where we talked about the fact that Christ rose from the dead. Christmas, we celebrate the fact that God gave us his son and he came in the form of a baby and he was born in a manger and he, he grew up and then for three years spent his life in ministry and then he let them crucify him. They nailed him to a cross. They put him in a grave. He rose from the dead. This is the son of the living God who came and laid his life down and he rose from the dead, giving real clarity to the fact that he was the son of God. Believing that and accepting that Jesus was the son of God, the savior of the world who came to die for your sins and my sins. When you believe that, you become his child. You already were his creation, but now you're in his family and you become his child. I'd encourage you to do that right there as you're listening to this and become a part of his family. You'd be one of our family. You'd be our brother or our sister. God bless you guys. Enjoy today. I will see you next week as we look at this passage of scripture again and we look at what God has for us.